Voyage. Welcome, everybody. Again, my name is Nat Mundell. I'm the founder of Voyage. Um, last year, uh, we saw the writing on the wall that podcasting was going to become an incredibly uh, useful and inspiring um, content space uh, for Voyage and for our community. It's such an accessible space, and, and Voyage really believes in accessibility and giving voice uh, and a way for people to share you know, incredible stories. And podcasting not only creates that way for sharing incredible stories with a massively growing audience subset out there in the world, about 600 million and growing listeners out there in the world, but it strategically aligns with what we're up to, which is um, using these podcasts to also create the possibility of film and television, right? And we'll tell you a little bit about Borderline and some of the, the early stage traction here as well. And so, uh, you know, Jason Woodward, who I will formally introduce you to in a little bit, um, is one of our, you know, sort of beta testers in a way. She, she came to us probably about a year, year and a half ago with this incredible true story. And if you're already a listener of Borderline, then you know what Jason went through and the journey of, of courage uh, and justice that she, you know, she endured and courageously went through. And she wanted to share that story, right? She wanted to, you know, um, not not really for, you know, maybe for one part catharsis, but but for, um, you know, expanding awareness about abuse out there and uh, and to inspire, you know, survivors that they can, you know, evolve past their circumstances and still seek um, not just get justice, but live an empowered life, which she's, I mean, she's just an extraordinary role model um, for us. And she's become a, a dear friend. So we're, we're really, really grateful for her willingness to jump in early with us. People in the room as well that are early adopters. Um, you know, we've got uh, Patrick Sims in the room who's doing a, uh, she's got another incredible true story. We've got Marie Lallensock in the room. Um, she's going to be doing, we've got Ed Duncan, who's done a scripted podcast with us. Um, I can't see the second screen, so forgive me if I if I don't see you. Um, oh, um, Margaret Crooms is coming in, but doing um, a screenplay with us. Uh, so I see you, Margaret. Nice to see you there. So podcasting has really taken off at the company, and it's a really really exciting space. And and Borderline is, you know, I think has been the tipping point for Voyage. Um, you know, just to give you an idea, it took us approximately six months to get our first 50,000 listeners and borderline has already hit about 50,000 in two weeks, right? So it's like this tipping point and it's growing and it's growing rapidly. And I think that's a testament to the power of that story, but also the network effect of more storytellers supporting each other and sharing the story and, you know, we've, I'll tell you a little bit later about some partnerships we've put in place, but Borderline hit number 28 in true crime of all, all true crime podcasts and number 119 of all podcasts in the world. So we are just, you know, let's give Jason a huge round of applause for that. And Dan Benamore, the you know, sort of brainchild behind the series and for... Uh, who you'll meet, and Chris Goldberg, who was the original producer that is now out in market 
with Robert um, bringing the film and TV rights. And we now have this in front of Scarlett Johansson, um, as well as the producer of The Power of the Dog, which, which is really, really exciting. Um, these podcasts really do act as wonderful precursors to, to, uh, to increasing value and notoriety of film and television projects. So again, they're really, they're a great way to share stories but they're strategically aligned for those of us that are also interested in film and television. And so without further ado, I want to get out of the way and, um, you know, turn it over to the, to the people that both really lived this project uh, story and also really were on the ground floor of figuring it out, how to tell it. And so I'm pleased to introduce you guys, as I mentioned, Jason Woodward, um, you know, the visionary behind borderline, uh, Chris Goldberg, our film and television producer uh, that, um, sorry, I just, my, my screen just switched. So um, I'm just going to switch myself back to gallery. I like to see everybody. Chris Goldberg, our film and television producer who really spotted this story in, on our platform and saw its possibility. Welcome, Chris Goldberg. Robert Midas, uh, our head of originals, who's like me, a little bit behind the scenes, but has been deeply involved in, in the telling of the story and integrating the film and television strategy with the podcast strategy. Uh, Dan Benamore, our head of podcasts, who's the guy on the ground floor that has been tirelessly working uh, for months on figuring out this story, which started like as a nucleus and then just expanded outward. And to... Um, one of the uh, participants, uh, both in the actual true story as well as in the podcast, Trish uh, Nasworthy. Do I pronounce it Nasworthy? Yes, yes sir. That's correct. Okay, great. Mm. Who was a special prosecutor <laughs> that really played a significant role in supporting Jason toward justice. Okay, so we're very, very grateful to have. Um, have I missed anybody? No. Okay, good. And so I'm going to turn it over to Dan, the head of podcasts. Um, we're going to go through a lot of questions and then we're going to open it up to questions for you, but hold those questions for now. We'll get to them in a bit. And Dan, you have the floor. Thanks for being here, everybody. All right. Thank Thanks, Nat. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to just kind of walk through a couple questions here for our panel. And then like Nat said, we'll open it up to the general audience. So I wanted to start with Jason. So Jason, obviously you and I spent and possibly too much time together. You probably got sick of me by the end of this. No, um, no. We spent so much time together working on this. And one thing that I was really excited about, I don't know if we actually, we had, we, the two of us got a chance to talk about it. Was it, what was it like for you to hear it all put together with the additional interview subjects? You didn't know what the other people I interviewed were going to say until you heard it all edited together. And then with the music, right. did it come out? Similar to your expectation, different? What, what was your reaction? Well, after working on it for months and under your expert tutelage uh, and narration, I just felt that it was a, a really big accomplishment. Um, working with all of the producers, with Chris, with Dan, with uh, Nick Davis, and with Durless, who made the music, and I think that was the first thing that struck me when I heard the first rough cut was just how much I loved the music that went with it. Um, it was a huge learning experience. You know, uh, writers never stop learning, and I learned so much throughout this whole uh, journey. Uh, and for a survivor, 
which is kind of how I refer to myself in terms of this book, not as a victim, but as a survivor. Um, every step in the process is another step of healing. So it was a wonderful experience. And then um, for Trish, so sort of along a similar line, you know, obviously you prosecuted the case, so you know about as much about the story as anyone, but I was curious in hearing the podcast, was anything that you heard during the podcast that surprised you or that you did not know already? I didn't know of the backstory of, of Jason going to Mexico and finding out about the judge's wife and, and talking to uh, the defendant's parents. All of that was something I didn't know. Um, it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have been important if I had heard it uh, back when we were trying the case, because I was focused on proving up to the jury what happened uh, that day. But that was very interesting. And I, I have to agree with Jason. The music for me, uh, when I started hearing it, and then it, the music gives it this, you know, special, like, I don't know, it's uh, makes it more exciting to hear the music. It really takes the story and makes it easier to listen to, I think. We're going to have to send the recording of all this to Durlis. He's going to be so happy. <laughs> yes, uh, indeed. <laughs> uh, for Chris Goldberg, did you expect, I mean, we, you know, we all have our own expectations, obviously, but did you expect the podcast to be as popular as it has been? I have to say yes, kind of. I mean, uh, Dan, you've done such a great job. And uh, I knew that I was working with uh, a professional from the beginning and and in being kind of behind the scenes in hearing earlier versions of, you know, the earlier drafts of the podcast and seeing everybody's smart notes and knowing the story uh, as well as I do. Um, I, I, frankly, I'm not surprised um, that uh, it's taking on. I'm sure that it's this is just the beginning. I think the more people listen to it, it will get an even bigger audience. Uh, I think, uh, every, you know, I'm really thrilled with how it, how it came together. So um, congratulations. No, I, I, I expected this <laughs> and uh, I expect more. From oh, the that. Um, so actually I wanted to, this, this goes with my next question, which is why the show has resonated with people so much. I want to read a review that we got because we got this review that someone wrote. It was someone that we don't know as far as I'm aware of. And I just thought it was incredible. I just wanted to share it with everyone. This is on our Apple podcast reviews. I've been fortunate to paddle the lower canyons of the Rio Grande several times and was enthralled with this podcast. All the places I've passed through and everything I love about West Texas make up the landscape of this story. It's true crime, redemption, and an old-time Western and love story. I'm sure the movie will happen at some point. His <laughs> one criticism. They probably could have done a little better job with the music, but maybe the subtle soundtrack is a better fit. <laughs> Hope Cormac McCarthy gets an opportunity to listen. It's up there with no country for old men, except it's all true. So mm -hmm. my question for Jason is, why do you think the show has so strongly resonated with listeners? Well, um, for two main reasons. First of all, the quality of the production, the whole production, Dan, and you were just such a huge part about it, of it, you and Chris both, um, is fabulous. The narration, which you wrote that, uh, the music, all the components of a podcast are just top notch. And then the story itself is pretty compelling. I, I don't want to be maudlin, 
But um, let's face it, every 68 seconds in America, someone is sexually assaulted. Every 68 seconds. And if you think about the number of people that that would be, plus their friends and their families who are also impacted by this heinous crime, plus that's just in the United States. It's a worldwide pandemic. And so I think that in itself um, brings people to under to want to hear this story, um, especially when someone survives this and then they go on to reclaim their lives, their power. I, I think it's a pretty powerful thing. And I, I hope it gives hope to other people who have been victimized. That, that really connects actually, um, Trish and I spoke this afternoon and, and uh, mm-hmm. I was hoping you could share with our audience here kind of what we talked about, which is you've been hearing reactions to the show, especially from female listeners and, and how it's impacted them. Could you kind of share with everybody what we talked about this afternoon? Sure. I've been really surprised at how many females have told me that they were uh, either triggered or that it really sort of made them scared. And uh, one of my friends was watching it and said she'd just gotten to the worst part and she looks out and here's three men running through her backyard. It was actually three police officers chasing somebody. And uh, she immediately grabbed her alarm and hit the panic alarm accidentally because she was just so amazed, you know, freaked out. She wasn't used, that's not what she thought she was gonna see because she lives in a really nice area of town. Others have just said, you know, now I'm scared. And, and my, my response to them is that it's not that you should be scared, but you should be aware. And I think a lot of women just go through the motions day to day, going to the store, uh, be, maybe somewhere around your house, you go in one door or you start to open the door and something doesn't look right. Something doesn't feel right. I think this, this story that Jason gives us is that Uh, she had that gut feeling something was going on, but she didn't, you know, she just didn't trust it enough to not go in the house or to go get somebody to have them come with her. Um, But we do need to trust our gut and we do need to be aware of our surroundings. I never, you know, go to any parking garage or anywhere without constantly as I'm walking, I have my keys in my hand and I'm looking around and looking, do I see anybody? And so I think if you use it as more of a Uh, a training session, so to speak, of just how important it is to be aware of your surroundings. And then I think the other thing it tells us is that if you are a victim of a crime, that you do need to focus on being a survivor of that crime. And throughout this entire ordeal, Jason was thinking about what's the next thing I need to do to stay alive. And I will do whatever it takes to stay alive and not just give up and say, that's it, I'm done. Uh, but to keep, you know, leaving clues for them to find, um, you know, just all those those things that she did were so important. And and listening to Anne, the EMT, talk about she didn't think she would have survived this because she wouldn't have done all the things that 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 Jason did. So I, I think there's just so many lessons in this. And that's part of what's so important about it. Chris. What are your hopes for the project? Obviously, like we talked about, you're pursuing it as a film. What are your hopes for the project as a film? Can you kind of paint a picture for us as what you see for it for the future? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, as as Nat said, you know, we're we're submitting it to really high level people, and and mostly, I mean, if not 
almost exclusively female uh, filmmakers, writers. Uh, I think it's important um, to to really, uh, the, you know, have the story in the hands of kind of film filmmakers, female filmmakers. So that's one of the things that I've been focused on and really high level people, because uh, I think that, you know, this is a very hard story, obviously. Um, uh, and and at first, um, when I read, uh, Jason had sent over um, a pitch document, uh, which was just excellent. I mean, I, I would say to the people listening that, you know, want to start their projects off and get them going. I mean, the, the original pitch document that Jason had, which was only like five or six pages, but really encapsulated what was what was powerful, interesting about this and what was special about it. But as soon as I read that, and then of course talking to Jason, uh, you you realize how you know how hard how hard of a story this is. This is really it, it's it's as serious and tough as as it gets uh, but there's also so much as you know as we as trish has been saying that is inspiring by by it especially jason herself and how her life has turned out and who she is now and and what her message is now so uh, i mean i guess i would just say for my hope of it is really finding the right partners and voyage has been a great partner um who understands this and and the 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 care and thought that went into the podcast, I think speaks to that. Uh, we want to do handles the very complex, you know, uh, nature of all of this, that it's story. There's a lot of elements to it. There's a spiritual element that Jason brings to it. There's an inspirational element. There's a justice element there. there I mean, obviously it's an important issue that affects so many people. So I just keeping all of that in mind and being very thoughtful and very sensitive about it and making sure that we are working with the caliber of artists and writers that can execute a project of that without, you know, um, there's so many ways you could go off in, in off the rails in such a hard story. So that that's really what, what I'm thinking about is who, who can we package this with and bring to our team that really has the abilities and skills and the nuance and then, and, uh, to do this the right way. Uh, and so that it can be something that we're all proud of, that Jason's proud of most importantly, but that we all can say, you know, this this captures all the complexities, all the difficult, challenging things. And it also has uh, a message that we can get behind. Great. Yeah, we're excited. Okay, so I think this will be the last question for this section and we'll open it up to everybody. And uh, I'll give Jason the last word. I just want to know, um, you know, what you hope people take away from listening when they finish listening to the show and sort of walk away from it. You know, what do you hope they take away from the experience of the whole podcast? Uh, I hope the listeners become um, more aware of their surroundings, just their everyday, day to day, pay more attention to what's going on around them. You know, predators don't think like other people. Um, they are opportunists. They're looking for easy prey. And so it behooves everyone to be really aware of where you are and what you're doing and who's around you. And if something feels right, it probably, I mean, if something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. So um, take responsibility for your own self-defense, especially women sometimes um, just don't have that thought in their consciousness of being uh, proactive in their own self-defense. Um, 
And also I would hope that um, if you, the listener or someone uh, you love has been a victim, uh, I hope you take away the understanding that there are um, ways and resources to help you to become not a victim, but a survivor of something that was not your fault and to go on and thrive, to uh, go on and reclaim your life, live your best life. What is that? Living well is the best revenge. Mm. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Could I say something? Absolutely. I just want to add one thing. I think what's also important is that uh, when it came time to prosecute the case, Jason didn't feel comfortable that the prosecutor was going to do all that needed to be done to prosecute that case. And and it's very rare that somebody will say that out loud because you're afraid that then the prosecutor won't help you at, at all. And instead, because she did that, uh, she was able to they were able to reach out and get someone who did want to spend the time telling her story and not making her feel like she's just a witness because she was way more than just a witness. And I'm proud of her for that. Thank you, Trish. Yeah, that prosecutor, the one that was local, uh, when I wrote a letter and asked that he uh, appoint or that he let me come and speak to him and tell him the story, he said, no, that I was just the victim. And so times have really changed since then. And I will say for the rest of my interaction with law enforcement and uh, the legal entities, everyone was very professional. So I don't think, I hope that if anyone out there has had an experience like this, they're not afraid to report it and they're not afraid to go forward. That's the only way we're ever going to put a dent in this pandemic, basically. Oh, I could go on and on. But. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to all of you for participating in this. Uh, we're going to now hand it over to Nick, and Nick is going to moderate questions from the audience. So if you're, uh, if you're out there listening here, feel free to just type a question into the chat, and Nick will pick some out and uh, ask anybody on our panel. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, waiting for some questions to come in. And while those are coming in, Jason, I just wanted to ask you something on my own that maybe you could give advice to anybody out there who has experienced anything like this or e even domestic abuse or anything about how to move from victimhood to being a survivor like you have been. Could you share a little bit more while we wait for some more questions to come in? Sure, uh, I will. Um, if you've been a victim, um, you're not going to just bounce back. What you need to do is allow yourself to rest, first of all, and sort of uh, internalize what's happened to you. You need to assess where you were before this happened and where you are now and where you want to be. You don't want to stay in that victim mentality. You need to set your goals and you need to reach out. There are so many resources now. Uh, one national resource is RAIN, R-A-I-N-N. It's a national organization uh, for victims um, and they can steer you to even more resources. And I would say that 
uh, any counseling you can get would be uh, well worth it. You can talk to your friends. You will talk to your friends. You can talk to your family. But until you've really worked with a trained counselor, uh, you will make such great strides uh, more than just, just talking to your friends and family. Actually, uh, Rain, uh, we communicated with them and they're going to be sending out basically our, our information about Borderline to their audience. And their, right. their information is now in the show notes of the show and it was also in Jason's book. So that ended up being like a nice synergy uh, with this project. That's great. Thank you, Jason and Dan. Um, so real quick, just in case you might be new to uh, Zoom or unfamiliar, your chat feature you, down at the bottom of your screen, if you're on a computer, you'll have a chat feature. You click on that. And again, you can type your questions into the chat feature here. We do have a couple coming in uh, real quick. Let me look at them real quick. Get my eyes on them. Okay, the, Jason, this one is for you. Um, many women feel in some way responsible as though they encouraged it. Um, have you ever felt that way? Well, I don't remember feeling that way. I remember um, being wondering why me? What was it about me that this happened to? And I even asked the perpetrator, why did you pick me? What was it about me? His answer was, you don't have any dogs. And so believe me, immediately I got a dog and I've had a dog ever since. But I think it is a common feeling for women to um, feel like in some way they caused this. Some of the myths are, well, you were wearing the wrong thing. You were at the wrong uh, place, you shouldn't have been in a bar, whatever. It's not your fault. Um, one thing that I would say is that, you know, my book, I guess, really talks more about women being victims. And I know men are victims as well. And I also think that we are all somehow unconsciously abetting this culture of rape that we have by doing some things like laughing at jokes that are demeaning about women or even listening to those. Uh, some of the music that you hear is so uh, demeaning toward women. Why even listen to that? Why put yourself in a position to further this kind of uh, objectification of women, of females, or of anybody. So um, I think the best advice is to know you're the one who said no. No means no every single time. And you are not to blame. It is not your fault. It didn't depend on what you wore, where you were, how you walked, or how your hair was done, whatever. It's not your fault. That's a very great answer there, Jason. I really appreciate that. Um, I've got a few questions coming in. I'm going to kind of toss up to the Voyage team. I'll let um, uh, either Nat or Dan or Robert answer them. Um, it, regarding, um, excuse me, let me get my, it just moved up on me. I apologize. So someone has a podcast and, and a forthcoming novel. Are, are there contacts or how can they go about getting um, 
an audio or visual version of their story uh, in the works. One of y'all want to take that? Um, <clears throat> yeah. So thanks for the question, Mick. Uh, the podcasting industry is, is the fastest growing sector along with video games in the film and, or, or excuse me, in the, in the media and entertainment sector um, with 600 million global listeners and growing. And, um, and yet it's very young. It's a young industry in the grand scheme of things. So it's, it's still very much the wild uh, West. And um, so there's not a mature, like, you know, financing structure that where, you know, you know, if you want to make a podcast, you go to these, you know, 15 organizations and you pitch your series and, and you seek financing, right? Like if you had a fully developed television show, and you had those right relationships, there's an obvious sort of path, not, I wouldn't say obvious, nothing in our industry is that obvious, but there's a, there's a path for that. Uh, podcasting is much more nascent and sort of scrappy and in that we, we really love it, right? So we have, um, you know, I mean, somewhat selfishly, I would say Voyage is a really great starting point for you because we are effectively an open door policy for for storytellers from all over the world. And, and, you know, you might start by, you know, uh, joining our platform um, uh, and then um, uh, pitching your story to one of our producers. And we've got a couple of podcast producers that are available, um, but we have, you know, over 70 producers on the platform available for you to pitch your story to. Um, and then they can, you know, sort of help you navigate what needs to be done and who it needs to go to and how it needs to be brought to market. But in some cases, and again, sort of the beauty of podcasting, you, you don't necessarily need a lot of money to make a podcast and you don't need anyone's permission to make a podcast, right? You don't need to convince a network, a television network executive to make your podcast or release it. And that's a beautiful way. It's a, it's a, it's in, in a sense, it's, it's therefore a wonderfully democratized way to share stories. Now it also means it's very crowded, right? So there's millions of podcasts out there in the world now, right? You, everyone is a microphone away from, from creating a podcast. So uh, the, the key is it still has to be great. Whatever kind of story you're telling, if it's true, if it's fiction, it's gotta be great. It's gotta have a unique angle. It's gotta be well-told in order to set apart. And then you also have to plan for reaching that audience. That's, it, you know, for those of you that are authors, you, you know what that's like. You write a book, it doesn't mean people will read it, right? You have to market it. You have to find those people and you have to be persuasive and get them to do that. And so, um, you know, uh, discoverability and podcasting is the, the next great challenge for that industry. And and, uh, and we are cracking that code at Voyage, which again, I think borderline is the tipping point for us. It's, a, it's, it's growing rapidly in its listener base. I'm going to send this question actually in two parts to both Dan and Chris. Um, Dan, when you're evaluating a script for a podcast, and, and Chris, have you answered when you're evaluating for film and television, what really draws you in? How, how is it written to, to really capture you to, to make it, to get it to move forward? You know, it's, it's honestly pretty rare that someone comes with a podcast script, but in situations like that, I think what's important is that it has a strong POV that's audio specific, uh, meaning that it's not uh, just a 
a story that would be in a novel or in another form of media that's just reproduced like as is you want to find a way in that is specific to audio uh, particularly for scripted audio uh, I've been doing this for a while now and I read a lot. And so really um, uh, it has to be something that feels like that it distinct and, and jumps out and grabs me and hopefully hooks me in some kind of emotional way. And that usually has to do with a character. Um, in the case of Jason's story, uh, as Jason said, there's so many millions of people that have been victimized in this way. So uh, unfortunately in the world that is, uh, sadly like not a singular occurrence uh so in reading this what did grab me was the moment that jason and her friend crossed the border into mexico themselves and took on the story and that was the moment to me that she became the hero of her own story and started to be again a survivor and not a victim but really kind of taking action and and doing something that was unusual and that's when i really leaned in and then um you know we got to how how the story ends up which i just think is so so crazy and distinct and if you if you haven't finished the podcast you should um but you know so it's really usually about a character somebody that you care about and that you that you can feel some emotion for and then putting them in a situation that feels distinct or that stands out uh and 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 in this case that that's that's what happened here for me thank you gentlemen um next question i'm gonna send to dan Dan, and you might spread it out to someone else if you'd like to, but why did they pick, why was Paget Brewster picked to narrate? That's a great question. So basically, uh, I think initially I wanted to try to get uh, Skip Hollingsworth and he was, uh, he was not, he had a deal where he couldn't uh, do anything related to the border. Anyway, I talked to, uh, to Chris and Nat and they felt really strongly that it, it needed to be a female voice, which I agreed with. And so then we started thinking, all right, who are some great female names um, that we can look at? And I knew that uh, Padgett, I think I just seen her on Twitter and she was so funny and her personality, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but there was something about her that actually reminded me of Jason that did, I just sensed like a kidship personality wise. And, and then I, I knew she'd been on Criminal Minds. So I knew she would have an audience that also was interested in the subject matter. And so that is basically what led us to Paget Brewster. And we were really pleased when she shared it. Like there was a real engagement. Like you see reviews from her fans and, you know, a lot of people commenting on her, her tweet about it and Instagram and so on and so forth. So her audience was really engaged by this. Jason, was there anything that was conveyed through the podcast as a medium that you were most proud of that maybe you weren't able to get across maybe in your book or other forms of telling your story? Well, I don't know about that so much. I, I tell you, I was surprised by some of it. I was surprised when I heard uh, Billy Pat's uh, interview. He was the lawman who tracked the predator. And um, his voice is just a consummate portrayal of a Texas lawman. You can see his face. If I didn't know what he looked like, I would know just by listening to his voice. And so I was a bit surprised by that. And uh, also I was a bit surprised. I had lost contact with Trish and with Anne, the EMT, uh, for many years. And I was surprised that after all these years to hear 
uh, how the story still impacted both of them. Um, I didn't realize that it would have that kind of force. That probably didn't answer your question, but uh, if you want to ask it in a different way, I'll think about it. Your answer was just perfect. Thank you so much. Um, Dan, let's talk a little bit about the baking of the podcast. And the question is, how long basically took from the, when the project basically landed on your desk, so to speak, till the release? Kind of give us a, a gauge of how long the process kind of is. And we're again, we're talking about a series versus an episode here. So maybe you can talk about both. Yeah, well, this was unique for us, right? I mean, this is a long-form true crime docu-series. We really wanted to take our... I mean, a big thing that we kept talking about was we want to take our time and make sure we do it absolutely right. So this was longer than maybe our average show just because of the nature of it. It was, it was pretty complex. And uh, I think it ended up being, God, at least six months, uh, maybe a little bit more. And that's fully including development, uh, interviewing, post-production, getting Paget, recording Paget, finalizing and releasing. Uh, so, you know, we, we did a lot during that time, but yeah, it was, it was pretty involved. Hey, Nat, um, this question, I want to try and paraphrase it to see uh, I can hopefully make it make sense here. Um, let's see here. They're basically asking, do you think it's time that new pathways, which is something I think we're doing here and you can talk about, were opened up to TV, movie production, financing, and that the podcast sector could have an impact that crosses over to television and movies. It's almost like that was teed up for me. I know um, I was trying to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, as a matter of fact. Um, I'm but it's legit, it's in the chat. <laughs> I'm a big believer that, that, uh, that now is that time, right? I mean, I think that, I think that, you know, the, the world has gone through a phase of centralized power structures right? And, and waking up to, um, you know, a set of circumstances and realizations that some of those centralized power structures create byproducts that we don't really benefit from as people. And I think that artistry has always been the tip of the spear, right? I think there's that, that, um, that I can't remember the name of the poet, but the, or, or the, the person who articulated that you know, he said poets are the antennae of humanity or something like that. They're the leading edge, right? So artists are out there with their, you know, hearts, you know, finding a different course for humanity. And I think storytelling has always been at the center of that, right? When we used to, um, you know, back in, you know, call it thousands of years ago, survive a night and survive a season around a fireplace at night. And we had to share things with each other in order to survive. We had to share wisdom. We had to share where the fruit tree was. We had to share, you know, how we organized ourselves so that we could stay together and, and work together. Right. And, um, and, and so there's, there's a, there's a video I created, Nick, if you would post it into the chat um, and then read the, the link aloud when I'm done um, the, the, the founder statement that I just recorded. If you could post that link in the chat, don't listen to it right now because then we'll have all this crazy audio-ness ma madness. But it's this 
that original form of storytelling, I think, goes much deeper than it being strategic in business, but it's actually connecting to the human soul and how we organize ourselves as individuals and sub-communities and then societies. And, and so oral storytelling is very, very powerful. And therefore, I think podcasting as a form of oral storytelling is very, very powerful. And that's why I think it is capturing the attention of so many people. And I think that's why it's now it's grabbing the attention of Hollywood as a source for stories, right? We can feel them instead of just read them on the page. We can hear the voices. We can visualize things. Not to say that books don't have a place there. Please. They, I mean, books are incredible, please. But, uh, but it's, an, it, it's, it, 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 it's, it's both new and old, right? So it taps into this underlying consciousness um, that I think creates this, this sort of power base that then, yes, it plays out strategically. It's a great way to share stories. It is now the new hot way that, that producers and executives and distributors and financiers are discovering and sharing projects with one another. Um, and yes, for Voyage, where you know our ethos, our founding ethos is we believe great stories come from anywhere and everyone deserves a fair shot. Podcasting has, has really opened up a way for that to be um, compared to the rest of the industry, a lot less friction. There's a lot less in the way of that happening. And yet it still results in that intersection of oral storytelling and then oral plus video, right? Film, films, film and television storytelling. So I think it's, um, again, it's very strategic from a business and storytelling frame of reference. If you're a storyteller and you want to, you know, make a movie or show, sometimes a podcast can be your, you know, your quantum method of getting there instead of your Newtonian method, which is the direct path, right? And, um, but but again, I think that's also rooted in a, in a foundational um, uh, state of, of, you know, call it the broader global society where we want to hear authentic truth. And I don't mean truth as in true story, can be fiction, but we want to hear and experience who each other are in the world through our expression. And, and, and so, yeah, that's my long-winded answer for, for that wonderful question. Thank you for teeing that up for me. Great answer. Um, I did go ahead and put the link in the chat for everybody. You can find the, the page is landing.voyagemedia.com forward slash message dash from dash nat. And you can definitely find that founder's message right there from nat. Um, kind of going through the last little few questions here. Actually, there's a lot of uh, thank yous to Jason for telling your story and um, just encouragement for others who might have been uh, a victim and, and moving into survivor uh, status. So thank you for all of that. And looks like I am at the end here. Yep. So I'm going to turn it over to Nat. Um, well, thank you. And thanks to um, uh, Dan and Robert and Chris and, and Trish, and also to Nick and Rachel for organizing this. 
Uh, thank you um, greatly to our entire community of, of storytellers and listeners that chosen to um, make Borderline a quote unquote significant success um, uh, and join us here today um, to be a part of this growing and thriving uh, storyteller and listener community. And most of all, thank you to uh, Jason Woodward for being brave enough to share her story and, uh, and Tris for helping her do that uh, back then. Um, but uh, you know, to be brave enough to be vulnerable and share what those experiences that if you listen to Borderline and, and uh, which I, I think you find Borderline at borderlineseries.com, www.borderlineseries.com. You know, we, we owe a great service. I think the world owes a great service to Jason for, for, and for any woman who's you know, courageous enough to both survive and then share the story. Um, so thank you panelists and for participants and to Jason as well and, and our community. Um, now on the, the, the topic of, um, you know, sort of the, the content of that last question and answer, um, as I said, Voyage is, is a new, you know, we, we, we visualize ourselves as this beacon of light right, inside an industry that's full of darkness and fear. Um, and forgive me for being so dramatic about that, but that's, you know, one of the things when you build something new, you, you start crystallizing um, around, you know, imagery. And, and you know, as, our, as I mentioned, the founding ethos of we believe great stories come from anywhere and that everyone deserves a fair shot. And yes, we love and appreciate talent, but we also think talent is, you know, not for the few, but rather can be nurtured and developed and with great information and great access and great mentorship, talent can be created and great stories can be converted into world-class stories, right? And, and, uh, and that's what we've been building. And, um, you know, we were, we are built for storytellers, but frankly, also by storytellers. And that's why we have decided or, uh, to not raise money outside of our community, but to enable stock ownership in Voyage within our community. And Jason, I think would would attest to that. She's a she's not just a storyteller on our in our community, um, but subsequent to being a part of our community, she's invested in the company. And we like the idea. Voyage is rapidly growing, right? We're, we're on to something. We're at about year eight of building this enterprise. Uh, we're, we're, you know, essentially doubling audience uh, very rapidly, doubling revenues almost every year for the last couple of years. Um, and we want to, you know, sort of bring everybody together on that ride. And so investing in stock is both very easy um, it's very, quote unquote, affordable, meaning you don't have to invest a lot of money to be a stockholder in Voyage. And that's currently open, but it's closing on March 13th, shutting down the current fundraise. Um, and the minimum to invest is only $250. So again, it's not designed to be, you know, for the elite. It's designed to be for everybody. And the, the website to really learn about um, Voyage uh, and what we're up to and our vision of of why we're raising money. We're not raising money because we need the money to survive. We're raising money to accelerate our growth 
and really build this platform and ultimately, you know, serve a community of storytellers and listeners, a hundred million strong and create an entirely new path for sharing stories with the world outside of the traditional studio and agency system. So if that aligns for you and you want to be a part of this, not just as a storyteller, but also as an owner, it's a great way to do that. And there are perks to investing for the storytellers. Like when you, when you invest certain amounts of money, um, even at $250, there's the perk. And at $1,000, there's another perk, right? There's all these interesting perks to investing. But the website to learn all about that is www.wefunder.com forward slash voyage media. So again, that's www.wefunder, W-E-F-U-N-D-E-R.com forward slash Voyage Media. I'm sure Nick will post that into the chat. Um, but we're closing that fundraise down on March 13th. So again, if that aligns for you, please consider uh, joining us in that. And if you've already invested, please feel free to invest more. We'd love to, we'd love to keep this incredible journey going. Um, and with that, I think I'll... Um, I'll close it down. And yeah, I think the, the best place to get that information rather than, you know, having me rattle off numbers, because I've we got lots of great numbers. You know, we've uh, we've released two movies since we started this raise, right? Just to give you an sense of an inflection, we've produced and released two movies in the last four months. We've produced and released five top 100 Apple podcasts. Uh, we've financed and are in production on 25 more. We sold our first animated TV series. So that's in development now, which is very exciting. Um, we did, you know, not to be so money centric, but we did 400 grand of, of uh, revenue and producer fee revenue in month one of 2022 alone, which is a huge inflection for us, right? Like it's, you know, the stats are, are neat and our community growth is exceeding expectations. Like our projections of, of storytellers joining the platform is, is um, infinitely faster than we assumed, and um, uh, and our audience is now accelerating again. You know, thanks to Borderline, we're so proud of that show. Um, so anyway, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of what we're up to, and thanks for considering uh, joining us in a in a deeper way as an owner of stock in our company. Thank you so much for being a part of, of, uh, of building what we're up to. It's your story. Let's share it.